Truly, through it all, isn't it, grandparents? God has been faithful. God has been good. Well, are you glad to be in church today? Amen? Especially this afternoon. As we know, this is a tremendous day for all our grandparents. And do you know who uh, is responsible in um, trying to make this uh, occasion today as a national recognition for all our grandparents? If we have Mother's Day, we have Father's Day, isn't it? There ought to be Grandparents' Day, isn't it? And uh, I know you can Google it or Bing it or whatever. Um, search, I think it's uh, somebody from West Virginia. It's McFadden, you know, something. You know, somebody um, who petitioned for this day to be special. And McQuaid, there you go, I was close. Not Lightning McQuaid, isn't it? Uh, Marilyn, Marianne McQuaid, there you go. Is responsible in the perpet uh, perpetuating and immortalizing this day for all our grandparents. And uh, we thank God for her life. She's also a grand uh, mother, and we thank God for making this day uh, a national day for all our wonderful grandparents. So um, before we continue on, let's ask the Lord to bless our time together. Let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Father God in heaven, we bless your name. We thank you for this opportunity that we can look upon your word once again. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the preacher you used this morning to stir our hearts. And uh, thank you, Lord, for all the songs we're able to sing for your glory in honor, Lord, for what you've done in our lives and for who you are, for your nature of being a loving and a faithful and a gracious God. And today, Lord, once again, we ask for your guidance as we look upon your word, cleanse our hearts and our minds from any sins iniquities and trespasses we've done against you hide me behind the shadow of the cross lord and help me lord to be an inspiration a channel of blessing encouragement to thy people especially our grandmas and grandpas in our midst today and also our friends and brethren and uh, church family in the lord who are also joining us virtually and we pray that you keep us safe give us uh, the peace of the Lord that passes understanding and the, also the joy of the Lord that is our portion and our strength today. We love you and we praise you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, did you enjoy our lunch fellowship? Uh, amen. I don't know about you, but uh, we're so blessed living here in America. Despite of the uh, what they called uh, inflation or sort of like almost in the brink of recession, we as Baptists still eat uh, so much, isn't it? It's like, huh? Uh, we're not affected by the prices of the major uh, commodities, but we're still like, but God is just gracious and good, amen? Providing all our needs, and we ought to enjoy it, you know? Uh, so thanksgiving to the Lord for um, providing all our needs. So we thank God for those uh, blessings, temporal physical blessings we receive today, but of course, as Christians, we ought to look after the spiritual eternal blessings that God has prepared for us each and every time we meet together in the church, and we know that is the Word of God. So I thank God for your presence, for uh, remaining, for sticking around to be in our church services afternoon to honor our grandparents. So uh, can I ask everyone to please stand? I feel like uh, I'm a, you know, we have a not a firecracker, but uh, you know, a uh, bombastic preacher this morning, isn't it? I don't know how he keeps constant, you know, that volume and loudness in his voice. Probably he always preaches in the mountains and in the caves, and there's no PA. And sometimes my voice makes you probably sleepy in this unholy hour. Uh, maybe sounds like monotonous. So I want you to look at your seatmates, your brothers and sisters in the Lord, and smile at them. And tell them, I love you in the love of the Lord. I'm happy that you're sitting beside me. <laughs> mean it with all your heart. There you go. All right. Uh, stretch your, those legs and everything. All right. Thank you so much for your cooperation. You can be seated. So we ought to be happy while we are in church, isn't it? It's not supposed to be an enduring time, but an, uh, supposed to be an enjoying time. Because we are in the presence of God. To make you uh, smile a little bit, I have a joke here. Joke lang to, ha? Sabi niya, may nag-comment, may nag-post, sabi niya, yung mabait ka, pero chismoso ka, anong tawag sa'yo? Ang tawag sa'yo, 
you are a good Samaritess. <laughs> Charat. Yeah. Mukhang dagdagin sa vocabulary. I'm sorry for our English-only speaking friends here. Somebody will translate to you later. Yeah. Uh, the good Samaritess. Huh? Oh my God. Paglalaki, the good. Hotel <laughs> test or something like that. Anyways, uh, our message today is very simple. It's actually found in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. And uh, I like to entitle it, Truly Grandparents. Truly Grandparents. And thank God for our godly, gracious, good, and uh, great grandparents in our midst today. We know they're not perfect, but they believe and they serve a perfect God and a perfect Savior. Uh, before we go through that passage of scripture, I'd like to start with uh, this illustration. Among the many things that makes man unique in creation is the presence of, the influence of, grandparents. In the vegetable world, as an illustration, they said that the bursting buds of spring push off the last lingering leaves of the previous season and thus decline to have anything to do with the generation that preceded them, to say nothing of the generation before that. It's true in nature, isn't it? It's true, as we notice the dramatic change in every season. About Among the animal world, the animal kingdom, and the bird kingdom, a certain affection is sometimes found for fathers and mothers, isn't it? But of the grandfather and grandmother, never a trace. That's why man is so much greater than the vegetable world or the animal kingdom. Isn't it? Yes, we can see eagles taking care of their young, isn't it? We see even pigs with piglets taking care of their, they call them litter or gallon. <laughs> their litter, you know, or their pups taking care. But do you see? A grandma dog or a grandpa dog, grandma pig or grandma cow taking care of their grand, what do they call them, grand animals, you know, grand, never, isn't it? Only humans do that because now we're, we're not really animals as the secular scientific world believe. We came from directly the creation of God, amen? We're created in the image of God. We are unique. We are special. We are the pedestal of God's creation. Yes. We are even said uh, by the psalmist, made a little lower than the angels. But you know what? God did not die for fallen angels. Isn't it? And God did not give the angels the opportunity to get marry, married and be able to uh, replenish their kind, their order. Only humans were given that. So I tell you, young people, before it get raptured, if you're saved but you didn't get married, you miss half of the blessing. Nice. I'm just kidding. Some are called to be uh, forever single. Blessed singleness, you know, because you have a greater purpose, a greater vision from the Lord. Well, anyways, it's grand to be a grandparent. Amen? So the impact of grandpas and grandmas in history is beyond calculation. Most of the famous people of the Bible, actually from Adam and Eve on, were grandparents. Often the grandparents played a key role, if not a major role, in the way history went. To illustrate it, let's look at the best illustration in the Bible. Amen? Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. We get an account of a man named Enoch. There's even a controversy here about the book of Enoch. Nowadays being circulated and they said extra revelation. No. The Bible is already complete. Amen? We already have the 66 books. Revealed by God. We don't need anything else. Amen? The word of God is already complete. But I just want to mention that. So be careful. There's a lot of false teachers, you know, preachers out there. Uh, we know that Enoch was the son of Jared or Jared and the father of Methuselah. Sounds familiar? Because we know Methuselah among all those many, I begot, 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 and this person died. We know Methuselah as one of them because he, you know, uh, he's in the book of Guinness record. No, there's no book during that time in the Old Testament. But he holds the, the, the longest living person in this world, isn't it? In biblical history. Do you know how old 
was he when he died? There you go, you know, 969 years old. Wow, almost a millennium. A millennia of living here in this world, you know? And that's a reality. And actually his name some, means something that when he died, the judgment of God towards sinful man in the way of a global flood will ensure, will ensure, will happen. And uh, it just gives us the thought that God is merciful and long-suffering, isn't it? So we see here, Enoch, he's the son of Jared, the father of Methuselah, Methuselah, the father of Lamech or Lamech, and Lamech, the father of Noah. So you better believe that Enoch walked so close to God, and because he did, Noah's father, Lamech, expressed that faith by the name he gave his son, because Noah means rest. And it was from his seed, the seed of Seth, that Noah came. Remember, there was a godly line, an evil line, the line of Cain and the line of Seth. But there was a influence in the history of these patriarchs or these people who lived during that time that Noah became godly and he found grace in the eyes of God because there was the good influence of grandparents. How about another example? King Hezekiah. His name means God strengthens. He's one of the best kings God's people ever had. His father, though, was Ahaz, or Ahaz sa Tagalog. Parang pati yung ugali, Ahaz, you know? Hindi mapagkakatiwalaan. Sneaky, and subtle, and venomous, poisonous. His father was Ahaz, who was one of the worst king they ever had. But his grandfather was, who knows this? I'll give you a penny for your thoughts. <laughs> his father is Jotham. There you go. And he did which was right in the eyes of the Lord. So Hezekiah took after his grandfather rather than his father. And the result was victory for the kingdom of God. And do you remember Hezekiah because of his prayer? In asking the Lord to extend his life for another 15 years. From 70 all the way to 85 years old. That's why when you reach 70, as the Bible says, teach us to number our days so we might apply our hearts to wisdom. Before, men lived to be hundreds and hundreds of years, 900, 800, and then because of man's sin and, and his transgressions before God, God has to shorten his life to 120 years, like Moses or other patriarchs, Abraham. But until it came to a time in the times of David, sort of like it became three score and 10 years, 70. And if you go beyond you know, those are extra blessings. So who among our grandparents here are 70 and beyond? It's like, you're like Buzz Lightyear, way beyond. <laughs> All right. God bless you. So every year that God added in your life, you know, you know what? That's a bonus. That's a blessing from God. And if, if God, sabi ng Bible sa Ecclesiastes, isn't it? Chapter 13, I believe. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. What are those evil days? When you get old and weary and sick and frail, while the evil days come not, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. There's a lot of things that gives you pleasure, happiness when you are younger and right now, all you want is a good night's sleep, isn't it? All you want is your Bengay, you know? All you want is, uh, you know, just some peace and quiet, you know? But that serves us uh, as a reminder while we have strength, no matter what age you have right now, serve God now. Amen? Amen. Live for Him right now. Amen. Do His will. And you'll never be sorry when you do that. Yep. So, Hezekiah, uh, influenced by his uh, grandfather, Jotham, and Methuselah, and the rest, Noah, influenced by the godly grandfather. So, because of the powerful influence of grandparents, there is always hope, even if one generation goes astray. Because the next generation can be brought back and in lies the glory of grandparents. They often bridge the gap between parents and children. And they make major differences in the course of history. The relationship of grandparents and grandchildren is so unique because it is so full of hope and expectation. This explains the mystery of how, take note, a boy who is not good enough for your daughter can father such marvelous children. And it explains why the girl who looks like so unworthy of your son can bear such brilliant beings as your grandchildren. See? 
there's a difference now when the grandkids came into the scene, isn't it? So it is a strange question to ask in the book of Ruth. What makes us ask is this, is a baby that is born more of a child or a grandchild? In other words, who is to be more congratulated, the parents or the grandparents? Since it's grandparents day to day, for some reason, the book of Ruth, you know, favors, give its votes to the grandparents. And it makes this passage one of the most powerful exaltations of a grandparent you'll find anywhere in human literature. It is almost as if the goal of this book was to come to a happy ending with Grandma Naomi, holding grandson Obed in her lap and everybody singing her praises. Do you hear that, Sister Samantha? Grandchild boy. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Patrick's close. How about the other kids? <laughs> uh, note, note, it has only four chapters, and I'm, we're not going to read throughout the whole chapter or chapter four, so I'll try to be quick. Note how suddenly the story of Ruth and Boaz came to an end. Because when we hear the book of Ruth, isn't it? We hear of not just Naomi and Ruth, but also Boaz, where we get the kinsman redeemer. Isn't it thought? Later on we will look at that. So note how suddenly the story of Ruth and Boaz came to an end. The Romans has dominated the stage for most of the book, but their wedding and nine months of pregnancy and their whole life together is wrapped up rapidly in verse 13. So let's look. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Right, uh, Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. So just follow me silently as I read God's word. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which had not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of the life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, this is Ruth, isn't it? The Moabites had borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. Wow. And the woman, her neighbors gave it a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi, and they call his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse. The father of David. You see that? And look here. I have some slides here of some pictures. Just to summarize everything I said. <laughs> and you know the story, isn't it? Of Ruth and Naomi. Next. Remember? Naomi, there was a famine in the land of Israel. And... She went with her whole family, Malon and his two sons, to Moab. Supposedly temporarily to sojourn there because of the family. But a lot of unfortunate things happened to Naomi. She lost her husband. I think her, his name is Elimelech and his two sons. And of course, his two sons married Moabites of Oprah. <laughs> you may show. And Orpha. There you go. <laughs> and Ruth. And we know from the first chapter that, you know, what we called uh, when they lost their husbands and there's nothing anymore for Naomi to offer her daughter-in-laws. And um, she advised them to go back to their own countrymen. But Ruth was so much influenced by the faith of Naomi. And we see those famous words, isn't it? You know, your God shall be my God, thy people shall be my people. And she was converted as a Gentile, isn't it? To faith in the one true God, Jehovah. And that's why Ophrah, there you go, Orpha went back to her countrymen and Ruth started traveling with Naomi back to their place. All right, and that's why you see those sheaves. It's time of harvest so they could gather and... Um, and next slide, you see that, there you go, they said goodbye, you know. But Ruth cleaved with Naomi because she believed her God and she was a good example 
and uh, Oprah. Orpha was about to move there uh, with her stuff. All right, next slide. There you go. There comes the scene of Boaz, who owned a land during that time. He's wealthy, but he's not the first kinsman, the nearest. There's another one. And she doesn't want to have Ruth because there was what we called in the law a custom during the Old Testament Bible times given to them by Moses, what we call the Leverite marriage. When, because they are trying to preserve their posterity, their land, their title. So it's a duty of uh, a sibling, a brother sibling, if their brother died and passed away and don't have any son. You know, by law, they are obligated, <laughs> mandatory to give a son or a child to that deceased uh, wife so their lineage their posterity, their property will not be taken away from them. So it's, it's protecting them, the law. And uh, even though Boaz was not the nearest kinsman and the other one don't want to do that, that's why they had that transaction, you know, uh, of Boaz purchasing and then giving one shoe. You know, you can later on read it. It's beautiful, those tradition. And then and Naomi give uh, Ruth like some instructions how to be able to, you know, get the affection of Boaz. But of course, Boaz, when he saw her, I think it was already uh, love at first sight, you know. And he protected her from other young men there, you know. And gave her favor, was able to glean on the corners or given other straws to glean, you know. So she really found favor as a Gentile, you know. So we see here that even Ruth was part of the lineage of, Jesus Christ, part of the David kingly line because God is gracious. Amen? God is merciful. He included even prostitute Rahab. You know, Tamar, Tamar, who had a legitimate son through Judah. You know, you see all this sinfulness and wickedness, but God is just gracious and merciful. It means He can use anybody. Amen? Amen. He's not so particular. Amen? And thank God for a God that we have like Him. Next slide. There you go. There was a time. Oh, napikot si Boaz. I'm just kidding. All right. Um, it, it was still good, though, guys. That that's still wholesome, guys. Yeah, because this general audience, you know. Um, and Ruth was uh, loved by Boaz and everything. You can read that later on in your spare time. Next. There you go. They had a time of communion, and she was protected. Next. And then, meron yung picture na meron bata. Yan. And then, yun na yung pinaka ending ng story. Happy ending for Grandma Naomi. So, yun na. Tapos na tayo. Oh. Anyways, alright. So, I'll just give you two things about um, this passage of scripture that we read. In Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. And then we'll have our program today. As I said, in this book, you know, Naomi was there, Ruth was there, Boaz was there in the scene, but these parents were radically removed when Ruth gave birth to uh, baby Obed. Distrusting of grandma and grandchild front and center in this book is a powerful revelation of just how important a role of grandparents can play in the life of a grandchild. So every person in the blood line from Adam to Christ was a grandparent, isn't it? The genealogy that ends this book is a list of all people of whom became grandparents. Obed, the baby of Ruth, not Babe Ruth, okay? Oh, Obed, the baby of Ruth, not Babe Ruth, the baseball player, you know, was the grandfather of King David. Remember? The book ends with a special emphasis on grandparents and with such a deliberate focus on Naomi that I do not know of anywhere in the Bible where you can find a better text for Grandparents' Day than this day, these verses of Scripture. So it seems like the book of Ruth only exists because all of these people were grandparents and great-grandparents to David, the great king and the best king of God's people in Israel. God is really into genealogies and roots. Amen? And so God is into grandparents. How awesome is this, that even 
parents who fail their children can become such successful grandparents that the family tree is healed and restored as one that bears fruit for the kingdom of God. We saw that in some example a while ago, isn't it? Of Enoch, of Joth, uh, Jotham, of uh, the lives of Noah. There are many ways in which the role of grandparents is superior to the role of parents. We can cover all that is precious about the grandparent or grandchild relationship, but we can look at just two hours of this relationship uh, that suggest, and we can dig a little bit deeper in this passage of scripture, that uh, will be a great blessing to God for us, not to animals, not to angels, but to men. So the first R is the word roots, all right? Roots, the book of Ruth exists to trace the roots of David, the king of Israel. And there is no way to do this apart from getting into the lives of grandparents. And if you look at the genealogies in the book of Matthew, amen? Truly you see there the names of Ruth, the names of Obed, Jesse, as part of the legal line, the kingly, royal line of David. And uh, this is true for all of us. It was true for the only man also in history who had two letters written to him which became part of God's word to the world. Those two letters, who is the only man who has two letters named to him in the Bible? All right. First and second, Timothy. All right. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, there's first and second Samuel, but those are not letters just to him. But this is for first and second Timothy. One of the things we know about Timothy is that his Christian, his Christian faith had its roots in his grandmother. Amen? That's why we look at 2 Timothy 1.5. 2 Timothy 1.5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned or real faith, genuine faith, that is in thee, Paul talking about Timothy, his son in the faith, his prodigy in the ministry, the one he left the pastorate in the church of Ephesus. But it says that which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois. Just like Lois Lane. She's awesome, you know? Grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that in thee also. So there is that example, that influence, that impact of a grandmother to his grandchild, Timothy. Of course, when it comes to salvation, I always say this, God has no grandchildren. Amen? Only he has children. So it means our salvation is never passed down to us. It's never inherited. It's a personal decision. It's a personal relationship. It's a personal conversion of the moment and time you hear the gospel, you saw your lost and sinful condition before a just and a holy God, and you repented of all your sins and received Him by faith as your Lord and Savior. Your family name as a Christian, as a missionary, as a pastor, could never save any single person in that household. Salvation is always personal, individual, because we will all give an account to God. We will meet Him one by one. Amen? So kids, young people, for everybody here, make sure. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. Not just because you have a drug problem growing up, you know. You were dragged to church. Like that song, isn't it? Oh, I was dragged to church, so I'm probably I'm also a Christian. I'm also saved. No. It has to be a personal relationship with the Lord. Like what happened to Timothy. He was converted to faith in Christ because he heard the gospel. He responded to the preaching of Apostle Paul. Even though it helps also the good influence, isn't it? Good testimony of grandmother Lois and his godly mother Eunice. Paul made a major point of the roots of Timothy's faith. For the fact is, what the grandparents were makes a big difference in the majority of lives. There are millions of ungodly grandparents who make their grandchildren like them. But also on the other side, there are millions of Christian grandparents who do the same who pass down or give the faith of their grandchildren deep roots. You know, um, unfortunately for me, my father is the first person who got saved out of his family, you know, but he was able to witness to his mom. Same token with my mom. He's, she's the first person who got saved out of a devoted Roman Catholic family. 
You know, she was so devoted that they go to Mass every day. They're the ones who clean the whole church. She's the one who sings the Passion. Kaya gumanda yung boses niya You know, every Easter, mahal na araw. She, you know, she, you can see Carlos on her um, knees for praying so much. And she do all the rituals. She believe all the relics and everything. But one day there was a missionary that preached the real gospel. The Lord Jesus. So he, she was converted to faith. And, and she started witnessing to her siblings, especially the one that were still praying right now to be saved in, in California. And she got so mad to her because she, you know, changed so-called her religion. And she even got madder when she married a missionary, <laughs> a pastor, my father. But she was instrumental in witnessing to the rest of her siblings, and they accepted the Lord, except this one. And some of them had passed away. So there was um, that uh, uh, now challenge because my kids right now, thank God, they have godly grandparents. Now there was a good change, isn't it, in the family line. And how many of you here have Christian grandparents? If you have, you're blessed. You know? I don't know if our people here who are in their midlife crisis. No, uh, in their midlife, if your grandparents were Christians, if they are, you are so blessed. Amen? Because they left a godly heritage. You know, um, there's this person, his name, her name is Margaret Mead. He, she is a noted anthropologist. Um, she said in her article, Grandparents and Educators, somehow we have to get the older people, grandparents, widows and widowers, spinsters and bachelors, back close to children if we are to restore a sense of community, a knowledge of the past, and a sense of future to today's children. Because grandparents gives our lives roots. And how many of us can place our roots back farther than we could ever? I think it's now made possible because of Ancestry.com. Or send us a sample of your saliva or blood, and we'll try to, you know, locate your long-lost relatives, your lost tribes, you know, something like that. Or we'll see how, how many part of this you are, <laughs> if you have Spanish blood in you or something like that. But most of us, isn't it? As Gentiles, our family tree, isn't it? It's limited. But for the Hasidic Jews, for those who believe, um, you know, they're still part of the 12 tribes of Israel. I think they could, they're the, some of the people that can trace their lineage so long in their family tree, family nine. So grandparents can be just that, parents who are grand. They do not have to be disciplinarians of life, so they are more free to be teachers of values. They have opportunities to talk and share in ways that parents often do not have or do not take advantage of because they do not see from the same perspective as do grandparents. Parents. And you know, lately, one of the longest living monarch, Queen Elizabeth, who I believe also is a grandma, isn't it, passed away. And I think she professed to be a Christian. You, you probably see her coats and stuff like that. And I, hopefully, yeah, he's, she's really a believer in Christ because she will see uh, Reverend Billy Graham there, <laughs> one of the people he heard preach. She heard preach of the gospel, but she passed away recently, of course, and people will truly miss her. But um, grandparents play such a vital role in every household, community, even in our church. You know why? Grandparents are often the key to a child's self-esteem. Children are difficult and life is complex. Oh, see all my gray hairs? Amen. I can attest to that. And often parents give most of their energy to discipline and only a fraction sometimes to love. This is where the grandparents can add the ingredient that makes the family balance. Especially in troubled families or dysfunctional families, they are even more important. Broken families, the role of grandparents. Dr. R. Lofton Hudson of the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy tells one of his clients who was working through her emotional problems, he asked who was the biggest influence in your growing up. I don't know who, has the significant, who the significant others were in your life with your father gone most of the time and your mother running around and getting drunk. Who did you look up to? That's easy, she replied. It was my grandfather and grandmother. I did not spend much time with them because 
My mother hated them. They were daddy's parents, but they loved me and told me so. Dr. Hudson said, how could they influence you much when you seldom saw them? She responded, oh, they believe in me. Talking about self-esteem. They made me believe in myself. I remember once my grandfather talked to me and said, Ellie, I want to tell you something. You don't have to let your parents' problems ruin you. There is something great in you. There is no telling what you can become. The world out there needs you. I shall never forget that speech. He made me believe in myself. And he made me believe that there's a God in heaven who cares for me, who watches over me. You see, the role of the grandparents as often as the key to a child's self-esteem. Don't you know of a grandpa that's uh, really um, you know, energetic and very believable, that's such a very successful salesman? They're so successful salesmen that they could even sell an ice maker to an Eskimo in Alaska. Well, you have to be really good, you know, and able to do that. huh? Uh, but you know what? Our grandparents need to sell more about Jesus and about God to their grandchildren. They should always remind their grandchildren that living in God's will is the best kind of life. Serving Him, amen, is the best kind of life. Not worldly success or worldly pleasures, or worldly accomplishment, those are things that will be fading away. You cannot bring those to heaven, but if you love God, you pray to Him, you read His word, you know Him, you serve Him, that's something worth, worth living for. Amen? There is a powerful influence of even a rare opportunity to build up your grandchildren's self-esteem. So grandparents, you provide opportunity for grandchildren to develop roots, and establish an identity that is not limited to the present, which may be far from ideal. So the second thing, and we'll close, is renewal. Grandparents not only just give roots, but renewal. The child-grandparent relationship is often supposed to be a two-way street. The child has just as great an impact on the adult as the adult on the child. In verse 15 of Ruth chapter 4, it says there that the woman would say about baby Obed, he will, talking to Naomi, he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. This little guy was to be Naomi's, all that Jerry is today, huh? and more. There is something about a grandchild that can change the whole psychology of life and bring hope and joy to the forefront, isn't it? I could say that to uh, my mother-in-law, now with Lois. And probably even Ezra, you know? They bring such joy. And I, I know sometimes they're hard to take care of, you know? Like Malikot. And um, sometimes they fight each other. And sometimes they love each other so much. Like Ezra will bite <laughs> Lois. Mm. Looks so yummy, sister. <laughs> yeah. So um, it happens, you know? Bittersweet. Although they said children are proud of their, grand, of their parents, grandchildren are a reward to grandparents. Although children are proud of their parents, grandchildren are a reward uh, to parents. As the Bible says um, in uh, Proverbs 17.6, records this universal reality, children's children are a crown to the aged or a crown to the old men and women. So they said, your children may have kept you poor, but their children will make you rich. <laughs> rich in laughter, rich in love, rich in joy, and minsan, very frugal yung grandparents sa kanilang children. Pero pag sa grandchildren na, waldas. Di ba? Oh, bakit kaya? Nag-iiba yung psychology. Di ba? Why? Because your children may have kept you poor <laughs> and worried and troubled you while they're growing up. But now their children will make you rich, your grandchildren. Huh? It's nice, no? So this is what happened with Naomi, isn't it? In the Bible, in the book of Ruth. Until this scene where Naomi becomes a grandmother, her life has been one trial after another. Life has been a burden and she has suffered sorrow and grief beyond average. 
She has suffered the loss of her husband and two sons. She has to endure the life of poverty and despair. She had had to bear the responsibility of caring for Ruth and trying to get her established in a home of her own. Naomi has had little joy in this story until this closing scene when she became a grandmother. Now it is almost a heavenly scene. All tears are wiped away and there is spirit of praise and joy for now her whole future looks bright for she has a grandson. And not just an ordinary grandson but the great grandfather of the greatest king of Israel, David. That's why Dr. Lewis A. Coffin in his book, The Grandmother Conspiracy, wrote, as soon as a person becomes a grandparent, he or she undergoes a radical personality change. <clears throat> Is this right, grandparents? Stern fathers become cooing grandfathers. Harping mothers melt and crawl on the floor, sing lullabies and crumb cookies and cookies and more cookies down their sweet little grandchildren's throats. Take them to the ice cream store, bake cakes for them and pies for them, and stand back admiringly as their little ones swell. Pinch their obese little cheeks approvingly, and raise Cain if anyone tries to interfere. Raise Cain! Makikipag-away yan pag may umaway or may negative sa kanilang mga apo. Di ba? Pagmamahal ng mga lolo at lola. They sometimes become a problem to their children because they allow the grandchildren to do what? Parents have forbidden. Don't eat this. Oh, they, oh yeah, okay lang yan. Don't stay up this late. Ah, yeah, you can watch movies. You know? So, sometimes they rather be at grandma's house, you know? Or grandma's company than mom or dad. That's why they are grandparents. Grandma and grandpa. Spoil the child. <laughs> and when they're too spoiled, give them back to the parents. There you go. The point is, there is a different psychology between grandparents and grandchildren than between parents and children. The reason grandparents tend to spoil grandchildren is because of this renewal in the minds of the grandparents. They are so grateful for the new joy and pleasure of life that they say thanks by being overindulgent. Sometimes, this makes the grandparent-grandchild relationship one which is dominated by positive, and it is of fun. The fun is mutual for most grandparents get more laughs from their grandchildren than they do from comedians. Ay, corny. Ay, apo. Ha! You know? But it's not all fun, of course. Grandparents have to watch grandkids almost fall out of the swing, almost fall from the monkey bars, almost stumble, and almost bash their heads in the concrete or coffee table. Almost, but sometimes it happens, you know, and it of course breaks their heart, and their grandkid gets hurt. One of the reasons grandparents are often more fun than parents is because they have more time, yeah? Parents are so loaded down with responsibility that they do not have the time for fun with their children sometimes. That's why a nine-year-old girl has written this description of a grandmother and has become a classic. Probably heard this before, one of our grandparents' program. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own, so she likes other people's little girls. A grandfather is a man grandmother. He goes for walks with the boys and they talk about fishing and tractors and stuff like that. Grandmas don't have to do anything except be there. They're old, so they should not play hard or run. It is enough if they drive us to the market where the pretend horse is and have lots of quarters ready. Or if they take us for walks, they should slow down past things like pretty leaves or caterpillars. They never ever say, hurry up. Usually they are fat. But not too fat. To tie kids' shoes. They wear glasses and funny underwear. <laughs> I can imagine this. You know? Uh, they can take their teeth out. <laughs> they don't have to be smart. Only answer questions. Like why dogs hate cats. And how come God is not married? Wow. They don't talk baby talk like some people do because it is hard to understand. When they read to us, they don't skip pages. <laughs> because they're going to lose it. Huh? Everybody should try to have one, this little girl said especially if you don't have television. Because grandmas are the only grown-ups 
who've got time. So we need to make time for them. You know, as we live in this modern day and age, isn't it? Sometimes there is a cultural gap. There is a generational gap. Yeah? And it's so sad when sometimes grandparents are being mocked by the young generation today. Like, you know, they're too slow. Or they, you know, they're too impatient. Or, you know, they make this. But you know what? That's, uh, that's not good. The Bible tells us in Ephesians to honor our fathers and our mothers. That's including, I believe, grandparents, isn't it? We are told because, you know, you'll have a long life and blessings of God will be upon you. But that happens. But uh, that's why our preacher here this morning, thank God for our, uh, I'm not lifting our, you know, uh, family, our ethnicity. As Filipinos, we are taught, actually, yeah, growing up to respect our elderly. We have the special word, po and opo. We have the gesture of uh, mano, you know, and um I don't know, I think it's still true right now, especially in the province, if you talk back, disrespect your elderly, man, people will will slap you or like discipline you even if they're not your relatives, isn't it? They will, you'll hear something from them. I, I believe there's still places in our country and other parts of the world. And it should be that way, isn't it? Because we owe so much to them. As we know, time is one of the treasures of life that grandparents have learned to use more wisely. Do you know this person, Dale Evans Rogers? She's an American actress, singer. Uh, she married Roy Rogers. I think she's the third wife. You know, She wrote a lot about her 16 grandchildren, and her advice is, if you want to establish a warm bond with your grandchildren, get rid of the parents. <laughs> that is be alone with your grandchildren. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Good advice. If you want to last 50 years of marriage <laughs> from Sister Naomi, send your husband to work overseas <laughs> so you have peace <laughs> and you'll miss each other more. Ah, there you go. It's going to be more sweeter when you reunite. You know? I, I'm, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> so, I have to end. Have to end. <laughs> so, the relationship of grandparents and grandchildren is like the period of courtship. Huh? Whereas that of parents and children is more like that of a marriage. <laughs> the first is more dominated by fun and the second by responsibility. And that is one of the major reasons why there is a different psychology at work. But you know what? I love also our disciplinarian grandparents. Isn't it? They know they have the experience. Gray hair has all those wisdom, isn't it? Human experiences that, hey, grandchild, if you go to this path, you'll be in trouble. Amen? If you hang out with the wrong peers, you'll be in trouble. We need those counsel. We need those advice. We need those strong, you know, uh, words from them too. Because we need that as children and grandchildren. We need their guidance. We need their wisdom. And God will be the one who will use them as an instrument sometimes for us to get good counsel. So I appreciate also when they score, uh, scorn us. Scorn. Um, scold us. <laughs> scorn, thank you. Scold us and correct us. Amen? Discipline us and give us words of advice. We needed that, po. Keep it up, po. Because that's one way of proving that you love us. Amen? Like our Heavenly Father. So it's like courtship. That's like marriage for parents. The evidence is enormous that the grandparents are key people in the lives of most children. Grandparents are one of God's major weapons to keep his plan unfolding and progressing. We see it in David's heritage in Ruth. Amen? But the stories are endless, and they are going on today in the lives of millions. And I'll close with this. Thank you for your patience and listening. There is uh, this eight-year-old Ann Johnson who wrote this poem, which expresses the influence of millions of grandparents on their grandchildren. And she said in her poem, my grandma likes to play with God. They have a kind of game. She plants the garden full of seeds. God sends the sun and rain. She likes to sit and talk with God and know he is right there. She prays about the whole wide world then leaves us all in his care. May the Lord bless all our grandparents today. Let's bow our eyes for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you Lord for this book. The book of Ruth.
even though, Lord, uh, was able to glance it, but uh, you made it part of the canon of Scripture because it traces uh, a wonderful uh, story, wonderful narrative of the uh, great and uh, grandparents of David, whom our Savior, our Messiah, also would come. And thank you, Lord, that whatever you promise in your word will come to fruition, to fulfillment, because you are a God who never changes. You keep your word. And thank you, Lord, because of that, we can trust you in all things at all times. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you provided salvation to us, free, forever, full, and final because of what Christ had done. And thank you, Lord, that uh, we have grandparents here that uh, had come to know you as their Lord and personal Savior, even sometimes in the twilight years of their lives. And now they have a such a vital role and responsibility to pass down this wonderful knowledge to their children and grandchildren. Now, we pray, Father, that may your face continue to shine upon them, be merciful and be gracious to them. Our prayer is that, the Lord, you will strengthen them, encourage the uh, their spirit. And times they are lonely and sad and uh, have aches and pains, and they are troubled for the future of their children or grandchildren. May they always stand on your promises, believe in thy word. And we know, Lord, as we live in the last days, our heart's desire, Lord, is to see if thou will permit and thou wilt will the face of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by way of rapture. And if that's your will for them, Lord, that they will hold fast in serving you and believing in you. And they play such a vital role in our homes, Lord, not just to watch over our children or the grandchildren or provide uh, this and that, but they are our prayer warriors of our homes. They are our counselors. So help us, Lord, to always appreciate them, not neglect them, be sensitive to their needs. And this one way we can give back to them at their old age, Lord, that uh, we give them company and we show them our love. Thank you for uh, our godly, grand, and good grandparents we have in our midst. As we said, Lord, a while ago, they are never perfect and no one else is. But we thank you, Lord, that you are using their lives still. They have a purpose. We still have a plan in, in their lives, Lord. That's why we're, they're still here on earth. So bless this program now. May encourage their hearts. May it will be fresh, even though we do this every year. But we don't never get tired of appreciating, caring, honoring, paying tribute for all the grandparents that we have. Bless them, Father. And may their relationship with you will be sweeter and deeper and greater as the days pass by. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.